Actually What'd you say? New Greenwich. That's what it's called. Greenwich? This is Maui Wowie. Uh, so it's, yeah, my come. favorite movie is that I can't decide on a favorite movie. Press next podcast. Heyo, I'm Katie. And it's your co-host, Corey, and this is the Press Next Podcast. Welcome back. Does anybody else get super pumped when the when the beat's about to drop in our intro? I get lit every time. Because I do. I'm like, eh. Also, every time I, I hit the button where it says, uh, what'd you say? Uh, I always think it's actually you actually that, like in the moment. <laughs> Cause it sounds like it's just happening right what now. What did you just say? Yeah, what'd you say? First off, why did I say Greenwich? What is I, wrong with me? I don't know, but you were so convinced that it was. I was very convinced. You would not let it go. Yes, I did. After you, after you brought it up and told me, and yeah, you know what I'm saying. That was a perfect example of how at times people, you are wrong, and then you can be convinced that you are wrong, and then you say it differently for the rest of your entire life, and you'll never forget when you learn that it's Greenwich and not Greenwich. That's true. So I like to think that I'm a growing person. But anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Press Next Podcast, baby. Welcome back. Um, yeah, if you are a listener who has been listening, welcome back. And we appreciate you uh, for spending another, uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and a half, two hours. No, I'm just joking. Just spending some time with us um, on your travels, you know, while you're cooking dinner, whenever you are listening. If you are new, Press Next Podcast is a weekly film entertainment podcast dedicated to giving you a fix in a way that sounds like you're sitting around just talking about shows and movies with your besties. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we are not only discussing why we love the films and stuff that we watch, but also how they apply in real life, um, particularly when we talk about their documentaries and stuff like we'll be talking about today. Yeah. And I feel like we've been on the documentary train for a little bit now. We have, but I also feel like there hasn't been like a bunch of um, movies that, well, it's about to, right? Yeah. So we went to the movies we saw starting this week, actually, with um, the, invitation. the Invitation, right? Well, really last week with Bullet Train, but with this week with The Invitation, after it's about to be a run full of films. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably do that too. We also feel weird about like, we don't want to spoil movies for people. So we'll go see a movie and like, man, we got to wait a couple weeks to talk about it. Yeah. So we don't necessarily want to talk about movies that we saw in the theater because we don't want to spoil it because a lot of people either don't go, don't have the time to go, or just like to wait until it comes out. So For sure. But I'll tell you where we will spoil it. On Patreon. So listen, hey. uh, we do have a Patreon. If, if if this is good enough for you, that's great. If you want just a little bit more, you want some merch, you want um, actual you know movie reviews and stuff from stuff that we're watching, a little bit extra stuff, head to patreon.com slash press next podcast. Select whatever peer, tier, peer, tier that you um, think is right for you. And then you become a member of the fourth wall. What does that mean? You're going to be um, a press next podcast member. You're going to get into our discord community. Uh, where we chatted up about stuff. We'd be ruining movies there. But we have a specific dedicated channel um, for those. So just don't hit that channel if you don't want to see any spoilers. Uh, But it's okay. Anyway, if you want to be a member of The Fourth Wall, you can do that through our Patreon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And we will ruin stuff there. But today's episode is actually pretty interesting. We're going to talk about a subject. um, I don't know if we talked about it before. I guess you can say it's taboo, but maybe this song will give you... A little bit about what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Hey. Uh, I get high. Hey. Uh, I get high. You you remember this? No. Oh, you didn't have a good childhood. Hey, I get. Uh, uh. All right. (laughs) I can't get y'all too much of that. Um, I lived in the country. I listened to 
country growing up. Oh, you still listen to rap though. You heard some rap songs. Stop playing. I'll be playing these songs, and she'd be like, "I listen to that," even though you did grow up in the country. True. Um, but that is a jam. Yeah, today we're gonna be talking about this. Is it's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. There's a Netflix documentary called How to Change the Mind, mm-hmm. and it's uh, episodic, so there's episodes, but each episode is around a different psychedelic drug. Right. The so, first episode is like LSD, is LSD. Right? The second episode is psilocybin or mushrooms. Uh, the third episode is MDMA, MDMA. or ecstasy. Um, and the fourth episode is peyote. Peyote. Or mescaline. Peyote. Yeah, so we thought in watching it, like, oh, man, this would be so interesting to talk about, um, especially given the recent Joe Biden or Biden administration news. Yeah, so we... I had been wanting to watch this. I saw a friend post this on her story. Shout out, Kelsey. Um, And I was like, ooh, that's super interesting because I've listened to several podcasts where people have talked about psychotherapy and, um, well, what is that? Wait, Kelsey, Kelsey? Yes, Kelsey Walker. Um, Shout out to Kelsey. What is it called when people, they typically go like to somewhere else to do it, like Ash? Ashwagandha? No, Ashwagandha. What is that? <laughs> You're talking about ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Wait, <laughs> you said Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is You've been on TikTok too right? much. You've been on TikTok too much. No, I yes, haven't you seen could... that on TikTok. Oh, wow, But it really? is something, right? Yeah, it's like a... It's, it's, I'm People gonna, take I'm it gonna, for I'm, like health. Yes, for other health reasons, okay. but you can go to you can go to CVS and pick up Ashwagandha. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, ayahuasca. That's what I meant. Yes. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> um. Anyways. I'll try to go to the mountains and take me some ashwagandha. Shut up. <laughs> so ayahuasca. I've heard a lot of people talk about ayahuasca and like going on a journey to release or whatever they sort need through to... some kind of trauma. Yeah. And so I've always been interested in it and how like psychedelics can heal us. And I feel like they're so taboo. And there's been so like such a stigma around it. And so we were watching it and I was like, Corey said, we need to talk about this. And I was like, yes, we do. Because I was literally thinking the same thing. For sure. And uh, uh, President Joe uh, Biden, you know, his administration announced that they anticipate that um, the regulators will approve MDMA and psilocybin within the next two years. As therapies, designated therapies for PTSD, depression, uh, respectively. So So do you think that that has to, do you think that you have to have a certain um, diagnosis to be able to do it? Um, Like when they, when they uh, make it legal? Yeah. Do you think that it will have to be like a specific diagnosis or do you think that a psychiatrist can be like no i think that this is the next route for you okay so here we go let's just jump right on in because this is this is very interesting so and if you are new here Corey does have a background in mental health counseling and has a degree in mental health counseling yes yes indeed and um very much so i will tell you this i don't think you necessarily know this um because i didn't talk too much about like where my passions lie when it came to counseling all of the all of the things that I wanted to do as a counselor are all on the fringe. Really, none of them are like um, the insurance would pay for type of things, yeah. right? Like the insurance keeps they they do things that are like the I'm gonna say the safe bet, right? Um, which will low risk, very low risk, 
you know, the naysayers will say, will keep you sick, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. That's stuff that I did not want to do. And not to say that it doesn't work. That's, that's, let me go ahead and just put this disclaimer in for the rest of the episode. I am not a full-blown psychotherapist or um, like professional on that means. Okay. I did study this. I have degrees in this though. However, these are just my thoughts and my thoughts don't like, everything is for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that typical therapy works for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work for a lot of people. And if you talk to therapists and counselors, they also know that. They will tell you that. It ain't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's why you got to look for different people that are going to try different things or who want to work medicine and therapy or who just want to go with therapy right. or who just want to go with medicine. Like there's a lot of different approaches. So that is my disclaimer. I believe things work for different people and we'll get a little deeper into that. But to your main question, what was your main question? Uh, I forgot what you said. <laughs> Something about like, uh, well, you have to have. Oh, I was like, oh, no, certain... what did I say? Because um, you said it would be approved to be treated. Yes. Like treatment for PTSD and depression, depression, PTSD. Would you have to have a certain diagnosis or can it be prescribed or suggested? For like anything. Yeah, for, um, for different things. My assumption would be. That there's two areas that I would go with this, right? Mm-hmm. Which is one side is the capitalist side, right? This is going to be some sort of pharma, uh, pharmaceutical drug slash treatment, mm-hmm. which means they need to regulate it in a way as they did with other drugs. Right. So the only way, and as much as people want to hate the FDA and everybody else, they really do be looking out for everybody. Right. All right. They're, it's only really been tested right now for PTSD and depression. So I'm going to have a hard time thinking that or assuming that you're going to be able to just go to the the store and get, you know, a dosage of psilocybin, Mm -hmm. right? I'm thinking that you'll probably have that as part of of a treatment plan. Right. As only for, uh, for diagnosed PTSD and diagnosed depression. Okay. Because that's what has been tested for right now. Now, once, once that expands, Mm -hmm. Sure. We get into anxiety. We get into other, uh, you know, maybe even um, um, other psychiatric disorders. Then we can get into that. So I saw on the LSD episode, I think that he was saying that um, people with different mental health illnesses, it can cause a bad reaction, such as like oh my gosh, someone with schizophrenia. It could cause a mental break. So, <clears throat> sorry, y'all. I had to get a drink real quick. My throat dry. My throat been dry as hell uh, lately. Pause. But anyway, <laughs> um, so <laughs> one of the first questions I had on the sheet was, "What are your general thoughts on the series?" Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like it's been very informative. I do too. The one downfall I thought at first, until we watched the MDMA uh, episode. I didn't feel like they were talking about the negative side effects mm-hmm. enough. Right. Everybody's story was some success story mm-hmm. about how their session with the, psycho- the psychedelic drugs really lifted them and they were able to 
be in full remission, not like, oh, I lessened my symptoms. I don't have PTSD anymore. Right. Which that is wild to mm-hmm. think about, right? That you did one experience and it was over. Or OCD on right. the psilocybin episode, this guy said that he literally described his life as before psilocybin and, and after. after. They're because, two different lives. Yeah, because he was so like OCD before that he couldn't even function. And then afterwards, he was not technically or like clinically. He's cl- not clinically, clinically OCD anymore. OCD. So you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to diagnose him with that, right? Right. Um, that's what we mean. By, what we mean by clinically, I'm sure maybe he still has some urges to mm-hmm. be like you know obsessively compulsive, but right. based on what's in the DSM, the Diagnostic uh, Statistic Manual, he, you can't diagnose him with OCD anymore. So I say that to say what we're about to talk about in the journey of all this was wild, but they didn't talk enough about what the side effects could be. Yeah. Right. And that they are because every drug, everything has negative side effects. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's kind of break it down. I Most mean, people- you look, you listen to any medical commercial on tv and it's like oh my God. Include, and they try to speed through that part they do and it's still long as hell <laughs> come on fam they, so there's a lot of side effects the whole commercial talking about how great you can be and they spending 30 seconds on this commercial and they spend five on what could, you know how you can die if you take the drug right and they do and i feel like they did the same here in this um documentary and the reason why i even say that is i have personal stories myself of especially when we get into mdma um, of people that I know who took ecstasy, MDMA, one time mm-hmm. and died. Yeah. As a direct result from taking the drug. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, they had an underlying condition. No, the drug caused their heart rate to speed up so much, increased their blood pressure, they had a heart attack and they passed away. I've heard stories and read research of some people who are now the effect of the drug is now negative for them and has maybe either caused or exacerbated their mental health issues. Really? Yes. Again, that's with any drug. Right. And I wonder if it depends on what you have going on too. Cause like they said, schizophrenia or I wonder if like BPD for sure, those kinds of different types of psycho, uh, right. Uh, psychiatric like disorders or right. psycho disorders. So, I, and again, we don't know. But then again, how do we even know that that was even your like predestination? Right. Like, what if you're just somebody who's really just been dealing with um, depression, right? But as we know, most mental health, I'm going to say most, a lot of mental health issues are comorbid. What I mean by that is they also incur, uh, co-occurring. They also occur, co-occur with other illnesses. Maybe you don't even know. You've been dealing with depression. You also have borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. right? But the depression has either kind of masked that or you've just been focusing too much on the depression. Mm-hmm. Maybe you also are like suffering from the early stages of schizophrenia, but you're not really sure because other things are masking that, right? Right. So then you go take this drug or this psychedelic treatment or whatever else, and that unleashes the ability or exacerbates the um, schizophrenia. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. What I won't take, I mean, 
what I won't like kind of fall into though mm-hmm. is that it's still a small percentage. Right. Just like all of the other drugs that we take right now that are on the market. Right. The percentage of that happening, the likelihood is very small. It is much more likely that a person is going to probably have a a, a, a good experience with this drug is going to help them out. But I like having the ability to choose. So let me ask you something. Um, do you think that these psycho... Um, psychedelics should be illegal and only administered by a therapist well like with therapy by a doctor a psychiatrist or do you think they should be illegal i mean legal (laughs) Uh, i don't think they should be illegal in the sense of uh, nobody can have them Right. right um where they're like just banned drugs right so california i know has decriminalized mushrooms mushrooms right? yeah right. so psilocybin um or you know what they call magic mushrooms there, here's what i would like to say <laughs> i trust science right mm-hmm. uh and that's funny well it's not really funny at all but when we talk about like i'm also a religious person spiritual religious whatever you want to say there are people in the world who legitimately this is what their life's work is. They study this drug, right? Like 100%. Right. What we do with everything else, this is what they do. They wake up every day. They hop on a Peloton. <laughs> they get their coffee or their espresso from their machines. They kiss their kids, send them off to school, and they go to work and study this drug mm-hmm. and how it affects people in the minds, how they can synthesize it as something to be helpful. Right. Right. You can't tell me. There's not going to be a person... Johnny from across the way, somebody else in apartment B, that's going to be able to dose me better than that doctor. Right. Here's a perfect example. When I had my appendix surgery, I woke up, I was in a lot of pain. I said, please give me more medicine. They said, okay, cool. We'll give you some more medicine. They gave me just a little bit more medicine. You know what medicine they gave me? Mm, what's it called? What's, the, what's at the top Morphine? of the... No, what's at the oh. top of the uh, opioid crisis right now? Hydros? I don't mm. know. What's the, what's the huge talk? Oh, what is... Uh, mm. Y'all, we're recording in the morning. My brain's not working. She's still drinking her coffee. What is her, it? Her the rappers rap about it. <laughs> <laughs> what do the rappers rap about? Oh, I'm going to let you go on until you figure this out. <laughs> I want to see how your brain work right now. I know. Hold on. Perks. No, not oh. Percocet. <laughs> Percocet. Molly Percocet. That's literally uh, what was in Percocet. my mind. Okay. Um, Start with an F. With an F? Come on, fam. Fentanyl? There we go. They Wait a minute. Okay, that wasn't even on my mind. They give you that? Yes, they were using in hospitals all the time. Huh. Check this out, though. It was fan fantastic well of course it was it was great and i got it in a dosage that was meant for me because there are doctors and scientists that knew how to dose me correctly so i don't necessarily think that it should be not able to to be given to the people but i love how they do it in this documentary where there are these like clinics where people are going to with people who have studied this and they know what they're doing 
And so you're having an experience in a safe place. Right. Where there are medical uh, physicians around if something were to go wrong to try to give you the best care as possible. There are empathetic people in the experience with you, mm-hmm. helping you through your journey. No, I thought that was super cool, too. That's what I think people need. And, and, and even when we talk about harm reduction, right? When we really talk about harm reduction, and this is a leap and most people don't. You know how they talk about like the clinics where people are like giving away free needles and stuff. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh my gosh, why are you allowing this to happen? This would be ridiculous. This is no different. Basically, what you're doing is you're allowing people to do these drugs safely. Mm-hmm. Knowing that they may need it for their body because they're addicted to it. Or this may be something that's helping them with their trauma. These clinics already exist. Right. So that's, I, I would hope, and I hope that this is going to happen. With all of the studies that have came out and within this documentary have shown, it's, it's an effective treatment. Mm-hmm. People are getting relief from it. Right. If there's an ability to do it in a safe way with people who are going to truly take care of the person, 100%. I agree with that. I thought that it was... And this is what I think is so interesting about psychotherapy just in general and the studies that they're doing is they literally have a, a room mm-hmm. where there's a bed and then it's it's set up like a room, low light, like it's very comfortable. It doesn't feel sterile like a hospital. And no, it just feels like your bedroom. Yes. Kinda, what, and then there's people in it two and chairs and there's people watching you and like studying what happens so you're not alone. So if there was an adverse reaction, someone would be there to help you. And they're kind of walking you through it. And I think that it's just really neat to see that and to, to hear people's stories and what they have experienced. So the guy who did uh, psilocybin with the OCD, he said it felt like he was being reborn he was like, he he literally watched himself Become die a tree, right? And then re, like, rebirth as a tree. And it sounds so crazy, but... <laughs> Reincarnated. The, yeah, and you're, and you're listening to us right now, and you're like, okay, this guy was definitely tripping, which, well, yes. Well, he was. He was yes, he that's what it is. So. But for him, it felt like he was born again, Without his illness. Exactly. Holding him back. And the way that I kind of look at it now, there are studies that kind of show what the, how these psychedelics work, right? What receptors they either look at, how they release either serotonin, they, they work differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And so specifically with the psilocybin, the psilocybin may also be able to create, and this is why I think it's really cool, um, is that they may be able to help create new neural pathways, Right? right. So basically, here's the thing. You know how people say it takes 21 days to create a habit? Mm-hmm. Why is that the case? Because you have to retrain your neuropathways. Yes. First off, good. Thank hell you. yeah, girl. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, there's nothing sexier than when Therapy like. Therapy works sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I dash, mm, is that, what does that make me? A sapiosexual? I'm turned on right now. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yes. The thing is, like I say all the time, your brain is lazy AF. Mm-hmm. Wants to wants to create the 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 greatest shortcuts of all time. Right, the quickest, the quickest way to to do something, quickest way to get rid of something, and really all in the name of keeping you safe. Right, or what it thinks that is keeping you safe. Right, it also has 
every other task to think about. It doesn't want to have to think about other things. If it can put everything through the amygdala and put you on autopilot, it would. Which is why, I mean, when you talk about mental health or habit building in general, it's it's why you have to be so aware and cognizant of everything. Because you have to fight it to to help create new neural pathways. Exactly. So... You have to break down the old ones. Yeah. And and literally, if you can look at it this way, it's like you're crossing a bridge, right? So one bridge goes, it, you're on one island and you cross a bridge to get to the next island and you hate that island. You There's another island you want to get to, but you can't get there, right? Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is legitimately brick by brick, stone by stone, concrete by concrete, whatever it is, break bridge. that old bridge down to build a new bridge, mm-hmm. Right. And then once you build a new bridge, you have access to the other island. And right. you've broken down the old bridge, so only the remnants are there. And it's hard for you to get to the other island because now you have access to the new island. And then the new island brings you all the happiness. That's what the therapy is. That's why you go to therapy over and over and over. That's why you're working every single day in your depression or whatever you have to create those new neural pathways, mm-hmm. right? The psilocybin actually has the, the ability to cancel that on first try. They can come through like a like a you know, a big bomb or, you know, you know what they are? You know, when you uh, uh, do like a demolition of a building? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. While you had, yeah, dynamite. Thank you. I mean, you said dynamite, but like, you know, (laughs) like like a controlled demolition. They like, they knock it out first try. It has the ability to do that. So I can see why in the first try, it can help somebody almost cure them of their, their ailment, uh, their, their their mental uh, ailment, uh, which is wild. Like that's, that's amazing. And I think that it's important to note that when they were talking about their experience, they also said, obviously when they took it in the trial and then the weeks following. So it's not just a overnight thing. They also talked about the effects that it had on the weeks following. Right. Cause it's still gonna take time. It's not just right. like complete, like wipe it out. But um, imagine immediately feeling better. And a lot of people said so they started out talking about, using it with cancer patients who are like really afraid of death. Like they're confronting death. Mm -hmm. Uh, And almost all of the cancer patients who were taking it, they they were no longer afraid to die. Right. They felt relief. Like they could live again without the impending doom. Which increased their quality of living, even Mm -hmm. though they had cancer. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes the, sometimes the mental ailments are much more than the physical ailments. Absolutely. Um, That's like me every day. I tell uh, Katie this. I told you yesterday, actually. I told her my, my hip was hurting or whatever uh, Friday. And the, here's the most logical reason, y'all. I was dehydrated. I didn't drink or pretty much eat all day until the evening time. I was tired. I've been on my feet since like 7.30 a.m. Legitimately on my feet, like not sitting down. This is So by the time I get in bed, it's like 7 p.m. So we're talking 12 hours all day on my feet moving around. Now, while there are plenty of like you know, hard workers who do that every day. That's not my lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Now, nah. so that's, that's an adjustment. I can get there, but I'm, it ain't me no more. So shout out to everybody who do. So my hip was like hurting and my brain immediately went to, you have a blood clot. And if you let that blood clot travel to your like lungs, you're going to die. I did not think this way. And I think this way about like everything. He very much always goes to the worst possible <laughs> thing that could ever happen. And it's it only started when I went to the hospital and had myocarditis. Uh-huh. After that is when every ailment 
became this could be the one. I hate it. Yeah. I literally hate. Now, I am a little bit, um, because I have the training that I have, sometimes I'm a bit stronger than most. Mm -hmm. So I have that privilege, you know what I'm saying? Because I got that bias. I started ahead of the field of most people. So I set what myself for like time that night telling myself about all the logical reasons why my hip would hurt. Mm -hmm. And moving around like, oh, see, like it doesn't hurt when I relieve the pressure off of it. So it's not, you know what I mean? And so I was able to come to the conclusion again that I'm, you're just being ridiculous. You don't have a blood clot. You know, you don't meet any of the other criteria for blood clot. Mm -hmm. So you're fine. Um, But for those who are listening or, you know, if you've ever had a mental health um, crisis or ailment, or if you don't, like that's how it is every day. Mm -hmm. Right. You, it's just, you can't get away from it, especially when we're talking about PTSD. PTSD which if I have not said this, I'm going to say it again. We got to stop throwing that word around, that that lettering around. Like just because you went through something, you got PTSD. First off, it's the D stands for disorder. You could say you have post-traumatic stress, maybe. But drop the D off, first off. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, everything that happens to you is not traumatic. That's true. That, go ahead. I got to comment okay. on that. No, go ahead. Drop in the comment. Well, I just, I feel like everything now is trauma, which are thing, are some things traumatic? Absolutely. But are some things just experiences? That's it. Yes. And life experiences because right. bad things happen in life and it's not always trauma. Yes. If the If it is affecting your every single day work and every single day life, you have experienced trauma, fam. And I'm not saying like I think about it every I'm talking about legitimately affecting. I got to take a different route. Yeah. I can't eat because of it. Like these people who are in Iraq and are like, I can't sleep. And the sleep, the non-sleeping is even exacerbating it. Mm-hmm. I wake up in cold sweats. I can't hear loud noises. Fireworks. I can't do fireworks. Like things. That is a physical response affecting your every single day life. Mm-hmm. That is trauma. Right. We go through a lot of stuff. A lot of us will probably live through something that is traumatic. Right. But not everything is traumatic. So again, I'm not minimalizing what you went through. I'm not saying that you have not, yet you have not experienced trauma. And there are, yes, I feel like a lot of people will or have experienced trauma. Yes. But I also think that life experiences are not traumatic trauma. yeah it's not not everything that but happens if you is scroll trauma. through tiktok you it's will everything. see trauma in almost every you right. will hear that word so much and i feel like it's losing its meaning or i just as as a as somebody who's trained uh in this i just hate when people say that like oh i got ptsd I'm or like, my no, you trauma don't. response you do not have or yeah we can really go into that <laughs> but um you don't have ptsd like unless you stop saying that because there's people out here that are actually diagnosed with that. Mm-hmm. It's an actual disorder. You don't have PTSD. You were stressing. You have stress. We all got stress. You know what I'm saying? Just say that. Like, oh man, I'm just that stresses me out. Okay, cool. Don't be out here like I got PTSD. Nobody else is out here like, uh, man. Oh man, I saw that. I'm. I got my schizophrenia is going crazy. No, you don't have these things. Stop. Right. Like, huh. anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to go on a rant about that. Um, but specifically. And now I'm even lost on what we was even talking about. That's why I didn't want to <laughs> add in my comment. No, no, added it. Oh, you added it in already. Yes. Okay. Um, 
let's 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 reset real quick. Now, in a trauma informed way, these drugs can be helpful. Absolutely. And I think they should be accessible to everybody who may need them in the right setting. Now, an interesting thing that I saw about this was about how, and again, we can call it gentrification. We can call it whatever you want to call it. The like godmother of psilocybin. Is that, is that what they call her? Mm-hmm. Um, she's in Mexico, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where these mushrooms were like growing. And this small tribe or uh, um, I don't want to call them a colony. Village? This small village or community were using this mushroom um, as part of their like their, like daily life and their religious activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody started to go and study them and grew a connection with this community and then released the studies, right? Released them and it became popular. And she kind of regrets now even giving away the secrets because what happened was what what was sacred to this community became not sacred to the public. So mm-hmm. everybody, it became like a tourism spot now. Right. Right. Which also I think is what happens with like all drugs, right? So if we just break down drugs in general, <laughs> they're wild. Like yeah. all drugs are wild. Yeah. There's not a drug out that is not like in its inception or just in the foundational piece of thinking about it. It's a wild thought. Including alcohol. Everything. I'm talking your ibuprofen. Yeah. I'm especially talking about alcohol. I have, um, me and alcohol have a very, um, what would you say? If I can, if I can convert everybody to stop drinking, I would. <laughs> I I 100% would. Everybody in America is a binge drinker. That's number one. And I would, and it, it literally, I'm not going to get on my rant about alcohol, but that's one drug that I, I really wish we did not like fantasize, romanticize, and normalize because it's terrible. It's 100% a carcinogen too. But I would try to get off of that. But alcohol in itself, wild. Um, cannabis, wild. Ibuprofen, wild. Antidepressants, SSRIs, wild. SSRIs, yeah. All of, all of the drugs and how they affect our brain and the makeup, the chemical makeup in our brain and the effects we get from them are wild. So I don't know how we get to ban these other drugs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get how we ban them from being used for like everyday public use or whatever because they're, I would not want somebody driving while they are high on psilocybin. Right. I get that. Just like we don't want people driving when they're high on cannabis or drunk. Right. But... Think about this. <laughs> this is just a wild thought. Alcohol isn't banned. People can get alcohol. There's an age to use it. It's recreational. There's there's laws against doing like drinking and driving, but that's only if you get caught. Drinking, let's just be honest, drinking and driving is normalized. People drink and drive every day. Every single day. Yeah. It just sounds so bad when you say it. It, it, it. That's what I'm saying. But we don't be thinking about it. Yeah. So on the, on one hand, where I think that like drugs like psilocybin, MDMA, uh, LSD, and we can talk about LSD uh, being used before like, you know, MK Ultra and stuff like that. But 
um, when they studied some of the LSD effects, not being available in your nearest drugstore or selling it at Walmart, but alcohol being available, it, it just, a lot of it just does not make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. I just really hope that if there's a way that this is helpful, it's just given safely. And I really feel that way about pretty much all drugs. I'm not like an anti-drug person. I try to stay, I guess you can say, as drug-free and clean if I can. I'm putting other poisons in my body too. So like here I am like holier than now. But I don't know. I just feel like anything that alters your mind should be given in a safe way, in the safest way as possible. Well, and I think especially with these, because they do talk about, they go into detail about how it's not just this amazing experience. Like the first part of these psychedelics are torturous. Like they've, they talk about how it was the like super scary. Yes. Like I think the LSD one, I'm kind of getting them mixed up now, but on one of the episodes, he was talking about how it was the most torturous thing he's ever been through. But then once he got past that, everything became so much more beautiful. And then the, the fellow with OCD said that he watched himself die. And he was like that. He started crying. He started crying, talking about it. He was like, that was very hard to watch. Like just myself die. And then, but then he was reborn and he thought that it was the most beautiful the most, thing. Yeah. So I think that once you go, like when you are going on these trips, you are in for the worst of the worst and the best of the best. So I think that it is important to be in a safe environment, be with people you trust, be with someone who is going to like help you if something bad happened. You know, like if you started really tripping, you would be able to have that help. So my question to you is, would you ever like try something like this as a treatment? Yeah, I think that it's super interesting and I would I would be interested to see what I would like what that journey would take me on, you know, like okay. what journey I would go on. Very brave. I, Very brave. But I would want to be in a facility like this mm-hmm. with someone helping me if something were to happen. Okay. Because I have a lot of anxiety about not my whole thing with it. And I've always said this is because I would want to try psilocybin, but I'm always scared of the what ifs, you know, like mm-hmm. what would happen if, I had a bad trip or what would happen if it brought up trauma that I've been suppressing Mm -hmm. or things there I go with the word trauma or like things that I have been running away from or because in one of the episodes they were talking about how it opens up your mind to things that your brain typically shuts off. Mm -hmm. So obviously when we go through bad things, sometimes we don't even remember them because the brain is protecting us from them for sure. And this opens up your mind to those things. So then I'm like, well, the brain is obviously protecting us for a reason. So why tap should, into that? should we even tap into that? But then a part of me is like, okay, well, if you do tap into that, you can kind of like release it. You can confront it and release it instead of holding on to it. And it subconsciously, 
affecting your your day to day. You know, I feel you. I feel you. But I would definitely want it to be in like a therapeutic session setting. I feel you on that. I'm not against nobody who wants to try it out, especially in a safe way. Um, it's just not for me. No, no. You don't want to try it. Um, well, full disclosure, I've had an experience with Molly before, but Molly, Molly, uh, Molly. very low dose, but. Not in a sense that like, okay, so people talk all the time, or at least I've talked to people who do psychedelics. Um, and this is no this is no um surprise to anybody. I'm in a lot of different fields. <laughs> I'm around people who do drugs. Like mm-hmm. it just is what it is. And I enjoy talking to them about their experience to see what they got from it and what their intention was. Now I feel like a lot of people who do psychedelics, they come in with an intention. Mm-hmm. And that can set them up for what they, you know, what kind of trip they're going to go mm-hmm. through, which is great. Um, but for me, especially if we're talking about, you know, having some sort of uh, post-traumatic stress or dealing with depression uh, or unlocking pieces of the mind. You remember the part of the, the um, documentary where it was showing the animation of um, all the colors and like the water coming mm-hmm. together and everything like that? Okay. I kid you not, this is when I was like at the heightened point of my guided meditation, I felt the same. Really? I want to get into meditation. I felt the exact same. When I was at the height point where I can sit and I felt like I could sit in the middle of a street and meditate and nothing be there. It would just be like me floating or really? me being one with like everything in the world. That's so I can like hear a bee a mile away, like fluttering. It was, I feel the same way. So I just think that there are so many multitudes of ways to reach a destination that everybody's got to take their own. So I think that psychedelics is for some people, but it's not for me because for me, here's my thought process. I believe in what I believe in. You believe in what you believe in, right? Mm -hmm. We only going to find out what the true truth is in the end, even though I believe I know what the truth is. I am not going to stomp on what you believe or test what you believe Mm -hmm. because there's also there's always something on the other side of that, whether it be good, bad, or not. There's always something. That means I'm welcoming something into my life that if I have no history in, no control in, no nothing, I'm not going to be able to control it when it gets here. So for me, when it came to meditation, I'm still in so much control of my mind. That's what that's the heightened part of the meditation. Right. There's no part where I'm thinking to myself, I'm in control now, but I'm not really in control because the drugs released a wall for me. So I really got to take the the ride, and hope I'm in tro- I'm, I hope I am in the wave with the ride, right? Yeah. I'm still always in control of my mind, and you know this. It's the reason why, like, I don't do drugs now. I don't smoke. I don't drink. Do nothing. I will. Me being in control of my mind is the most important thing to me. So I don't like doing nothing. People come to me about like, would you ever do like a Ouija experience? No. do you want to go to this place where somebody died and try to talk to ghosts no would you like to take a psychedelic drug no i'm not doing none of that not that i frown upon it because i know it gives relief to other people for me is i don't like being not in control of my mind i find it more powerful for myself to be able to control my mind to get rid of some of those anxieties with with the power of my own mind but I think that that's something that you've worked through because I think that a lot of people feel like 
in a sober state, they don't have control of their mind. Right. Which is why this may be work, like helpful for them. Right. right. That's why I say everything's for everybody. Right. The meditation for me, fantastic. Right. Fantastic. And it's work. It wasn't easy. It takes a long time to get there. I just start with like 30 seconds to re- to get up to, I think the highest I ever did was like 12 minutes. I was just like flat meditation. 12 really? minutes. And people do hours. Yeah. Like monks. <laughs> they do hours of meditation. And I can only do 12 minutes, but I just start out with 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. Like, and work my, I'm talking about like a year to work myself up to 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything again is for everybody. For me, it's the guided meditation um, and things of that nature. I just never want to be not in my mind. I never want to be able to say, you know, this happened because of this, or I was high when I did this, or I was drunk when I did this, or nothing. I want to be able to say, I this is why I made that exact choice. You know what worries me, though, or what I have hesitation of, is what if you did this, And you saw the most beautiful things and you felt the best that you've ever felt. And then afterwards, you're chasing that and you will never get that again unless you are on psychedelics again, unless you go on a trip again. It is a drug. That's addiction. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean like in an addictive way. I just mean that like... Then, for instance, post-vacation blues. You go on vacation, you have the time of your life. You come home, and it's like, wow, I feel so blessed that I was able to go on a vacation. But now it's like back to the reality, back to the grind, waking up, going to work out, going to work. And it's like, even though I know that I have a good life, it's not vacation life. Right. You know? But I'll put it like this. Does that go away? Yeah. So are you talking about something that goes away or are you talking about a true, my life will never be the same if I don't take this drug again? Because if you're talking about, I need to get high again to feel that again, I would argue that that is addiction. Like, right. But here's what I'm, here's why I think that it's important to have it coupled with therapy because then you work through that. Like, why were you feeling that way? Why? Like, how can you, in your natural state, get to that point, you know, like for you, meditation. Well, then you have, there's a lot of barriers that you have to break through to get there, such as anxiety. If some, if someone who is anxious can't sit there for 12 minutes and just be in their own head, you know, you have to break down those walls. So I think that that is coupled with therapy. For sure. I mean, that's why I started the meditation is dealing with anxiety. Right when mm-hmm. I was at the height of my having panic attacks twice a week, mm-hmm. um, that was part of my therapy. You should start guided there, uh, guided meditation. It's been helpful. I don't know how to do that. We'll, we'll teach you how to do it. And then I started doing them all, and that was super helpful. It helped me to be in the moment. Right? Um, what is it called? Goodness gracious, I cannot think of the actual name of the treatment. Oh, it's mindfulness is a part of the treatment, but it's being in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And because when you're in the moment, anxiety is is based in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. 
the unknown of the future. Yes. Yeah. So if you're able to master being in the moment, you quell the anxiety. And everything's happening now. So you're not actually thinking about the future. Right. Um, and so that was very that's that became very helpful to me. Super duper helpful. Um, and it just felt to me almost like I was, I guess, on a psychedelic. But yeah, that that's everybody's not gonna be able to necessarily do that. You know, there's different tools in the gym for different reasons. Some people like bench press and some people like peck flies. If the goal is to get your chest big, just that's make sure true. you're hitting in the right place. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. I just for me, I think it's more important to not release. I think the the reward of still being in control of your mind outweighs the risk to me because I've I have firsthand account of like people doing drugs and then not being the same for the rest of their life. Like a psychedelic drug. Several times or one time? One time. And not being the same person for their entire life. In what way though? Okay. I'm not gonna say it here on the podcast, I'll tell you afterwards. But <laughs> I'm saying basically Maybe on the fringe of mental health issues, take a psychedelic drug, 100% into it. Mm. Homeless, schizophrenic, don't talk to nobody, lick on a candle, like Mm. full-blown, you probably wouldn't talk to this person. Things that frogs run the world. Yeah. But do you think that that would be different with a, like with the... Like a physician or like in a... Right, with the right dosage. I, I don't know, because there's also been studies of people who got the right, the right dosage and they still had a negative effect. So then the, let's go back to the first question I asked. So do you think that that's the reason why it's only going to be approved for certain di- diagnoses? No, I just think it's only going to get approved for those because that's what it's been studied for. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's right now it's only been studied for PTSD and depression. Once they start studying for anxiety, it'll be a treatment for anxiety. Once they start studying for um, OCD, it'll be a treatment for that. Once they start studying for uh, borderline personality, if it if it's effective, they'll start treating it for that. They just want to have the data that, that supports that it's effective treatment. Right. I guess what I'm saying is, and it's hard to know because some some mental illnesses just go undiagnosed. For sure. But I guess what I'm trying to say is if, if this person knows that they have this condition, like schizophrenia, like they mentioned on one of the episodes, and it can actually cause a mental break, then obviously you don't want that person to have that treatment. Right. There's a different treatment. I'm kind of just thinking through it now. <laughs> no, nah, I feel you. Go ahead. Um, but Let your mind work. It's so then that goes back to the question of should it be illegal because then you have this on the streets getting into people's hands <clears throat> and the that shouldn't be you know right but but that's with anything for so sure i'm just right now i'm just talking I, out loud thinking right. through it because th- then i'm like well that's with anything you know but yeah but not everything is banned like these a lot of these things are banned right but they didn't used to be and that's another interesting thing oh for is sure that these things used to be legal. Uh, there wasn't a lot of studies on them. People are using them. And then as soon as they feel out, figure out either they can't make money or they become some sort of public health crisis, they become banned. Yeah. Or if they're able to like target a certain community, because maybe there's money in it. You know, how do you stop people 
from growing mushrooms. Right. That's what I've always wondered because it's just natural. That's what I'm saying. And then you, it's just like, it's kind of like cannabis, right? It's like, honestly, cannabis is tough to grow, mm-hmm. right? But if you know it, it's a plant. Mm-hmm. So that, it makes sense for us to try to make it illegal if I'm trying to make money because everybody can do it. If right. I taught everybody how to do it, they'd be able to do it and I can't make no money off of it. That's true. But if you're talking about making alcohol, that, that's a skill. <clears throat> so not everybody can just make alcohol, has the tools to make alcohol, you know? Right. Not everybody can, can synthesize some of these drugs. Right. They don't just naturally grow everywhere. So the drugs that have to be synthesized and made, cool. We, we know where they're coming from because we got to make them and not everybody can make them. Right. But the drugs that you can just get off the tree... I don't know. We might have to, man, no, we ain't going to make no like, money from that. Like, Yeah, same with peyote. It's a cactus. So, I don't know. Just It's just capitalism. <laughs> That's number one. You know, the root of all. What's the root of all evil, y'all? Capitalism. Um, if y'all didn't know, I love and hate capitalism. So, y'all should watch these. Yes, and definitely. And let us know what y'all think, how to change the mind. Now, you know what's also really weird? Uh, mm-hmm. I thought about this when we were watching it, and then we move on. Um, is, what if in some of the trials, I would like to see if there was like a placebo group. Like, like if there was a clinical trial where there was a like a double-blind study where... There are, so double blind meaning the patient and the person who's administering the uh, medicine doesn't know mm-hmm. what the person's getting. Mm-hmm. That the placebo group was getting the placebo, and another group was getting the actual psychedelic. I want to. I haven't read the studies, and this might actually be true. Because my the reason why I say that is because the the therapy in my head the therapy is actually in. The ability of the walls that have been built up by you to be broken down for you to work through it, right? Which is what general therapy is. Right. You come in, we can talk, we can work through some of your issues, break down those walls so that you can work through um, the issues that you have. You've put up these defenses. Mm-hmm. Let's let's lower the defenses so that you can work through it. Mm-hmm. The psychoactive drugs help you lower the defenses so that you can work through it. So if you, I wanted, I would wonder if somebody thought they got a psychoactive drug. Were they able to then let down their walls to work through their problems? Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm sure that they have those studies. I got to read them. I because, haven't read them. Yeah. I'm, I'm super interested. And now I want to just go into a deep dive of psychedelics and what studies have been done for the Biden administration to want to... Legalize, legalize that i'm sure they know? took all these studies and, and found no, out i'm sure they like, did too i just i want to read like i want to read more on them and sure. figure out more about them because it's just so interesting and i just think that the mind in general is interesting for sure and you can do so many things like your mind controls everything and if you can if you can control your mind then you can control you got the everything. sauce yeah, you really exactly. got the sauce and, you know, y'all be reading books and people be like, do you read? I read all the time. I'll I be reading actual studies. Yeah. Looking at the statistical uh, significance and all this other stuff. Yeah. So when people will be like, oh, uh, do your research. I'm like, I really do be reading these studies. I mean, obviously, I'm not doing the actual research, mm-hmm. but people have done the research and all you need to do is read the studies and then get the information from the studies. Like the studies will legitimately tell you. 
Like, you don't have to decode them or nothing. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I read this and I kind of think that this is what it's saying. No, like, they literally tell you. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was saying. no statistical significance in this. Yeah. Or here was a standard deviation out of the group. And, like, so it's straight up to your face. Right. Um, that's why I like it. It's like, it's cool. They pretty much, if you don't know what a, like a study is like, basically a group or somebody comes up with a hypothesis about something. And then they come up with a mode to study it. And then they study it. So they, you know, do the research. They actually do the test. And then they get back the results from the test. And the results will either, um, you know, affirm the hypothesis or reject the hypothesis. And then even after that, they talk about some other things that came from the results. They also talk about the barriers, meaning they'll say, well, the results actually agree with our hypothesis, but it could also be something else that caused this. Mm -hmm. That's where people get they go awry when yeah. it comes to data. They're like, oh, no, this study said this, that this must be the case. And I'm like, yeah, it also said that like 16 other things could have caused the mm -hmm. same thing. Right. So as my stats teacher told me once, um, when it comes to stats, believe everything you see and believe nothing in what you see. He used to say that every day in class. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, you want to play a game? Let's play. All right. Welcome to Guess That Industry Term. If you are new here, every uh, week we play a game where I test Katie's film industry knowledge. She's been doing good. She's bad in 500, I think. She always goes one for two. Yeah, we'll see. So, so we're going to see this time, okay? So let me get my, my lappy lap. You, are you feeling confident today? Not really. Is it because it's the morning time? Yes. Okay. What is an establishing shot? An establishing shot is a shot that sets the scene. <laughs> it establishes what's happening. It establishes feeling. It establishes knowing. Okay. <laughs> you sound like you want to do psychedelics right now, girl. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <sighs> Congratulations. That's a good answer. That's a good enough answer. Um, good enough. Further. It's good I'll enough. Take it. So, establishing shot. An establishing shot is a long shot that shows the location from a distance. Uh, it often is an aerial shot and it informs the audience of the time and locale of the setting. It helps orient the viewer so that they know where the next scene is going to take take place. That's exactly what I was picturing in my mind. That's funny that you said that because in my mind I was thinking like an aerial shot. Yeah, so sometimes it's not necessarily aerial. Or it's a, not aerial, but like in capturing... Everything, kind of, Everything, right? yeah. So one of my favorite establishing shots of capturing, all time... Encapsulate. I don't know. What was the one with the... What was the conjuring with the crooked man? Uh, The first? The second? No, the first one. It wasn't the first one. The second one? How many know. conjurings is there? Three or two? No. There's three, right? Because the conjuring the devil made me do it the third one. So Conjuring yeah. 2 is the one when they're in London and they got the biscuits. Yes, exactly. Okay. So my favorite, uh, <laughs> why the did London I? One. The London, London, London. Biscuits. Biscuits. Okay. So in the Conjuring 2, one of my favorite establishing opening shots of all time is where they do a one shot of their house. Remember in London? Mm -hmm. So people are like walking through in the camera takes you from outside of the house so you get a look of outside yeah and, it, and like the door opens you go inside and the camera goes upstairs and it goes through the uh, like little top of the bathroom and then it goes into a room and it yeah, goes back downstairs like in the that. kitchen 
And then it goes down into the basement because somebody has to go down there and get something right. And you're thinking to yourself, like, you know, you probably don't even notice this. And this is why I just love cinematography. You probably even don't even notice that this is like a one shot and like why they're doing this. Why is the camera moving like this? And it's because the the majority of that movie is going to be in that house. So it's giving you the entire layout. It's giving you the yeah. whole layout so that anytime that you know where you're at in the house. Mm-hmm. Because some of the scares is from not knowing what's on the other side of the door. True. But you can picture in your mind when the, the person's cornered in the room and they're looking at the door, you can picture the monster outside the door yourself because you've seen outside the door. Mm-hmm. A genius, I'm going to put it on our uh, social media this week, but a genius shot. I love that shot. Any like like style of shot like that, Yeah, that really makes sense. Because when they were in the writer's room or whatever thinking, um, or in the director's room thinking, how do we kind of establish the location so that people know? Somebody came up with the idea. Let's do a one shot. Let's move the camera all the way throughout the house. And really, it's it's. I think it's bedtime, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's getting the kids ready for bed. I think so, yeah. Such a mundane, everyday task. But we're going to move the camera with the person. Almost like you're, it almost feels like you're walking, walking through the house. Walking through the house, yeah. And so now I know every nook and cranny of that house. So that when the crooked man or whoever else is going through this house, I know where they're at. I know I've been there before. I can I can see myself there. I know what the angle is, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to um, the, the DP and the director of um, The Conjuring 2 for that shot. It's one of my favorites. Okay. You ready for um, term two? Let's go. All right, here we go. What is a flag? (laughs) That is so broad. A flag. Um, I'm going to say that a flag is used to tell where a scene starts and ends. Okay, that's a wonderful guess, but... You get nothing. You lose. <laughs> good day, sir. <laughs> that's a good guess. That was a good guess. Um, no, so a flag is a black light-absorbing cloth, often duvetine, stretched on a metal frame and used to block out areas of light in all different sizes. Hmm. So if behind the scenes, so we've talked about light before and shaping light, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes what you'll see is that um, they'll use, you know what bounce is? We talked about bounce before, right? Mm-hmm. When you're bouncing light from a light source. Mm-hmm. So what will happen is maybe you want to, oh man, like this side of the face is too bright. I want to get it a little bit darker. So people will say flag that. So mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll, instead of bouncing light, they'll put up a black duvetine on the other side and it'll take some of that light away. Because okay. it'll absorb the light, right? Okay. Um, or let's say there's too much light coming through the window or something. They'll, like, flag the window. Okay. There's too, like, bright mm-hmm. outside. So we'll just flag it instead of putting the ND on it or whatever. Okay. Um, that, that's not where my mind went at all, but yes, it makes total sense. Yes, indeed. It's all about shaping light when it comes to these things. So maybe I will post an example of um, light flagging on our social media as well. Well, y'all. If y'all didn't get those right, that's okay. Katie only got one or two, but she's <laughs> she's batting 500. Uh, so I'm hoping that y'all are batting 500 or 1,000 still. Uh, and if these things, again, I give these things out so that you could look for them now when you're watching TV or documentaries or movies. You know, look for an establishing shot. Look, mm-hmm. you know, when you've probably seen this a thousand times, and I'm, I'm sure you all have too. What's the most, com- uh, 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 what's the most common establishing shot? Like what what type of film? 
nature. Oh, nature. Anytime you're watching any kind of nature film or TV show, oh, or they, always, yeah. they always do some sort of establishment because you need to know where you are. Yeah. They're going to throw a drone or a helicopter in the sky. For sure. Well, you know what came to mind when you said establishing shot was Shark The Invisible Week? Man? Oh, The Invisible Man. Where they show the house. Yes. And they show... It's kind of like on an island, essentially. Like, it's in the middle of nowhere Let's on a go. cliff. Let's go! Yes! Because then it shows how hard it is going to be for her to, to escape. To get out. Yes. yes. Yeah. And even, and the cool thing was the waves were crashing up against mm-hmm. the rocks and and when the um the water would fall from the waves, it would fall on the letters. Yeah. Like the Invisible Man. Yeah. Right? So if you were to throw, which was a peek into what the movie, the right? The Invisible Man was, yeah. How incredible is That's filmmaking? That's such a good movie. How incredible is filmmaking? Yeah. That, that, that's how they tricked your mind. Psychedelic drug right here. Okay? <laughs> this is what they did. They implanted in something film. in your mind. In film. They showed you at the be- in the opening credits, y'all. This is not like, oh, this is later on. This is in the opening credits of the movie. You were being, you were being primed. Mm-hmm. They were showing you how difficult it was going to be for this lady to get away from this man in this next scene. You needed to know how big the house was. Not only how big the house was, but when she got out of the house, it's very likely she can just fall off a cliff and die. And how dark it was how there. just desolate yeah such a good movie um but if you stayed around take those terms apply them to your films see if you see any establishing shots you know what i mean yeah tag us in them for sure please we want to see what you're watching all right and then always as always if you're watching netflix and ask are you still watching always press next always bye